gentlemen, this is an important message from the New York City Police Department. If you see a suspicious package or activity on the platform or train, do not keep it to yourself. Stand clear of the closing doors, please. Hey everyone, I'm Amadal Yakbar and this is M-Train, a podcast miniseries by See Something, Say Something and Brick Radio. The series focuses on New York City and features Muslim stories from around the metro area. This week we're telling the story of Caribbean and specifically Trinidadian halal food in Brooklyn from roti to sorrel. Roti and sorrel are Brooklyn classics, I'd argue, just as important to Muslim New York as the world-famous halal cart. And those two foods tell the story of the overlap between African and South Asian Muslim cultures in the Caribbean. So we went to a roti shop, and we also spoke to a fashion designer who makes bottled sorrel. But first, let me tell you the story of the first time that I had roti. It's 2015, and I've just moved to Crown Heights, a Caribbean, Jewish, and black neighborhood in Brooklyn. I had moved to the city to start a career in media a year earlier and spent that period scrounging for couches or spare bedrooms a month at a time, living the hurried, cheap life of someone feeling they lucked into a good job. But finally, things settled. I moved into an apartment, with roommates of course, and finally I had a neighborhood to explore. On the way to a Planet Fitness, I paid $10 a month to use maybe twice a month. I heard loud music from across the street. I looked over and there was a line out the door from where the music was coming. The store was called Ali's Roti Shop. I racked my brain. I was like, oh yeah, this is a spot, isn't it? Who told me about it? And I remembered it was my cousin from Boston, Bossom. Bossom said, You've got to get the roti at Ali's Roti Shop. I was confused. I was like, roti? In Urdu, that word just means bread? It's kind of like saying you have to go try the toast. But he explained, No, it's like a Trini thing. It's kind of desi, but kind of its own thing. I had never heard of it then, had never been exposed to Trini food prior to New York. I texted him. I was like, is Ali's Roti Shop that place you were talking to me about? Is it on Utica Avenue? Because I think I see it. He responded, oh, I don't know. I think it's at Flatbush. I was like, I see it right there. I'm going to go try it. But first I went to the gym, which is a rare victory for me. When I returned, it was dark. The line was significantly smaller and the soca music down low. Written outside the glass was halal. I was like, okay. I went in line and was greeted by the cashier. I asked her a bunch of questions about the food. Was it halal? Yes. What's roti? It's bread. Uh, Okay, I knew that already. Uh, What do you recommend? She was like, it's all fresh and it's the end of the day. So I'll give you what we have left over because it's nearly all gone. It was some chickpeas, some chicken, some bread. They wrapped it all up and gave it to me in this delicious little pouch. It was amazing. The chickpeas reminded me a lot of, like a cousin of desi food. Lots of similarities, but not exactly the same. But there were other things on the menu. West African, Chinese, and other influences. I also ordered a sorrel, a hibiscus-based drink, which I had drank before at some West African Senegalese restaurants. This huge mix of cultures, it turns out, the African, the South Asian, the Chinese, turned out to be an important facet of Trinidadian culture. Basically, you know, everything we do, most of the time we freestyle with the food. You can look at a Caribbean food and you can kind of break it down by what's African and what's Indian Mm -hmm, about mm -hmm. the cuisine. In Trinidad, the boundaries between cultures and religion is pretty porous. Muslims and halal food are an important part of Trini life, both abroad and in Brooklyn. And there's overlap in the Afro-Caribbean and Afro-Indian communities. 
years later and many rotis too, I had learned a lot more about Trinidad and wanted to learn about Ali's roti shop and their story. I kind of started feeling like, why don't roti shops get the love of halal carts? They're also uniquely Brooklyn-ish. They're super interesting. They're delicious. They're halal. So we decided to visit Ali's roti and learn more. Hello. Hello. Hi. How are you? Thanks for having us back here. Oh, this is Mini. What's your Hannah. name? Kini. Kini. Yes. Nice to meet you again. Yeah, see you again. So this is where they make the roti, the starting of the roti. How many of these do you think you make in, in one day? Wow. A lot, probably. A lot. Like 500 balls? Yeah. yeah. So each customer is at least getting one? Yeah. Sometimes more? Sometimes more, nice yeah. So people come and they order like 50 and stuff to take at home. Oh, they order 50? Yeah. Yeah. The skins. <laughs> the skins. We call it the Dalpuri okay. skins. So this is the Dalpuri. Okay, the Dalpuri skin. That's the Dalpuri skin. skin. Yeah. Got it. This Got is how it. it's made. We first met up with Carrie, who's the manager. Okay, my name is Carrie. This is Ali's Roti Shop, Utica, our Utica location. We serve roti, curry. We also have different types of food for our lunch specials. How did you learn how to cook? From my mom. So my mom is half Indian. My dad is a Negro, so I learned from my mom. Yeah. And, and being in Trinidad, I'm being honest, like, you have to learn to cook. <laughs> Fast food is not an option in Trinidad. <laughs> so you have to learn to cook. So okay. a lot of our Caribbean people, I would say I would vouch for Trinidad. Um, we know how to cook. Before we get into it, let me give you a quick overview of Trinidad's history. Hundreds of years ago, hundreds of feet below, on the blue Caribbean, Columbus came this way to Trinidad just off the coast of South America. That's Port of Spain, the capital. The first thing you should know is Trinidad has had a long colonial history, having been under Spanish, French, and then British rule before finally gaining its independence in 1962. It's a relatively small island with a population of about over a million. It's pretty far south in the Caribbean as well, near Venezuela and Guyana. Trinidad is also, as I've mentioned, incredibly ethnically and religiously diverse. The two biggest ethnic groups are black and Indian, and both are legacies of colonialism and slavery. The black folk descend from enslaved peoples brought to work in plantations, and the Indians were indentured laborers who came after the abolition of slavery. There are Chinese, European, and native populations too. Religiously, many of the world's religions are represented for such a small population. About half are Protestant and Roman Catholic, and the rest are Hindu, Muslim, African religions, Jewish. For us, the important stat is that about 5% of the island is Muslim. Population-wise, there are about equal parts black and Indian descent folk in Trinidad. Like many diaspora communities, they also have a culture all their own. Nzinga Knight, the fashion designer I mentioned earlier and who we talked to later in the episode, talked to us a little bit about how the Indian and African communities connect to their roots. Anthony Bourdain, he had gone to Trinidad uh -huh. during one of his you know, episodes and he noticed how like diverse it is and how people are of these various like distinct cultures and have like their foods there. He kind of asked somebody like, you know, like yeah, when you with somebody who's like Trinidadian, like of Indian descent, how connected do they actually feel with the larger Indian right, right. community? I think like a lot of them, you know, they don't feel like they're like Indian, just right. like somebody who's from India. Right, you right. know, so I, and I was like, oh, you know what, makes sense. 
probably probably similar to how within being someone predominantly of, of like African descent who's Caribbean, I don't feel like I am African. Right. African, like like I would know right. all about it, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I feel like yeah, there's something to it. There's a connection. Right. So Trinidad has a culture all its own, and that's reflected in the music you hear in Ali's Roti Shop. When you come into Ali's Roti Shop on Utica, the music is hitting you before you even enter. It's outside. A lot of times, it's soca music, a type of music specific to Trinidad and Tobago. And the thing is, Ali's Roti Shop is legendary enough that some Trinidadian celebrities come through. You told me last time I was here that you have a celebrity customer. We have a lot of celebrities. Tell me about your celebrity customers. We have a lot. We have um, Trinidad James. Yeah. We have Safari from Love and Hip Hop. Okay, okay. We have um, our own local from Trinidad. Um, Sustainable You heard that right. Trinidad James, the man behind All Gold Everything. Eats at Ali's Roti Shop. You can see pictures of him on their Instagram. Also, some other artists from Trinidad are fans too. Denise Belfon. Oh, a lot of I know, I know, I know Denise Belfon. <laughs> we have a lot of soca artists like comes in. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. so music, the food, the culture, yeah. it's all kind of tied it's up all together. So, Kerry took us behind the scenes at Ali's Roti. Cindy, turn, turn up that food quick for me and let me do our roti for them. It's so beautiful, isn't it? <laughs> it's so, it's it definitely art. It definitely art. You're painting with your, with your spatula. So, let me show you the different types of fillings. So, we have potatoes, we have chickpeas, we have shrimp. We have soya, soya chunks. We have stew and curry. This is curry goat. And we have curry chicken, bone. We have the boneless. We have beef, stew chicken, rice and peas, white rice. This is our main stuff on our morning to start with, with breakfast. What type of rice do you want to get? <laughs> what do you think is the best right now? I'll have whatever you All of them is the best. I love goats. But I'm going to give you goats. I love goats. Okay, so, so yes, yes, right. Let's do goats. So everything is made here every day, okay. freshly made every day. Perfect package of, <laughs> of food. Okay, so let me show you, you need the doubles. There. Everything. This is our doubles. And all our du- doubles comes with chickpeas. It okay. comes with the chickpeas. You know, but we wanted to go talk and learn more about the story of Ali's Roti, so we headed to the newest location on Flatbush Ave and had some more food and to meet the owner. We specifically had Doubles, the most street foodie item on the menu. Here's me describing it in the second store with steam blowing all around me. Just to visualize it, you have like yeah. one piece of bread and you have your chickpeas in the middle. And, and another piece of And they're kind of overlapping. Yeah, exactly. And then you take the one that has the less chickpeas and you kind of pick it up and you yeah, grab yeah. it out of it. Yeah. You kind of like scoop it up yeah, out, yeah, of your, yeah, yeah. out of your hand. And then when you're done with the first bread, you have yeah, most of the chickpeas. Yeah. You have the second one, the double, right? right? Yeah. And then you just wrap that up and you eat yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. It's like such a great street yeah, food. Yeah. It's so delicious. Sweet. It's like savory. Yes, it's yes. spicy. It's so, so good. And it's really affordable. Yeah. Like, how much would you charge for a, a uh, double here? 150 
I mean, it's, and it's it used to be one. It used to be a dollar back in the days. Right. You know. Right. But now you know stuff goes up. You know. Yeah, it's one of those classic New York things like an egg and cheese or like you know yeah. uh, chicken over rice or yeah, like yeah. you know it's dub- doubles. It's like a yeah, quick yeah. you know quick, quick. quick nutritional. It'll keep you full, yeah. but you know you can you don't have to spend too much money on it. Right. So it's like really really popular. I think for that reason. Yeah, you could come in. You could come in with like five dollars, get two doubles and a soda. Yeah, <laughs> you're good. That's you're lunch good. Right there. You're definitely good. You're having a good time when you've done yeah. that. So that voice you're hearing, that's one of the Ali's of Ali's Roti Shop. His name is Fazir Ali, also known as Johnny. So Johnny, how old is Ali's Roti Shop? How long has it been around in your family? Uh, close to like 27 years. Ali runs the Utica Avenue shop along with his wife, Rosa. Tell me about your family's immigration story. Where were you born? When did you come to Brooklyn? You know, how okay. long have you been here? I was actually born here in Bushwick. And um, how we ended up in New York is my dad, he was in the Vietnam War. And he got married to my mom. And she came up to New York. And this was like in the 70s, 69. And we was living in Brooklyn, Bushwick. You know, and then from there, it was a lot of back and forth. After he came out the war, it was a lot of back and forth, back to Trinidad, back to New York, back to Trinidad, back to New York. While Johnny's dad was the one who brought him to America, it was his mother who got him into the restaurant business. Who yeah. started the uh, original Ali's Roti shop that you, the, on Utica Ave? On Utica Ave, my mom. Oh, she was a very strong person, um, very outgoing, and um, somebody who always adventurous. You know, she always want to try something new, you know, especially in the kitchen, you know, and um, very independent also, Hmm. you know, because at times my dad was away and he was in the war and all that. And then sometimes he would be out doing other jobs and stuff. And she would always like, you know, hold her family down. You know, she was a very strong woman. Hmm. Johnny has been in the business for 20 years and he basically grew up in the roti shop, learning the trade from his mother and family. I took a lot of lot of traits from her, like you know, like exactly how to run a business, how to how to like move around in a kitchen, basically because you know, like people in this in this um, business, they don't go to school for this. Mm-hmm. This is something you learn at home. Right. You learn it from your parents. Right. You know, so basically most of everything that we do here, we learn from her. But here's the thing that I should mention: when you Google Ali's Roti Shop. There isn't just one. There's Ali's Trinidad Roti Shop. There's Ali's Original Roti Shop. There's Ali's Roti Shop 3. Not all of them are owned by Johnny. But according to him, they're all familiarly related. He says the women in his family were the first people to popularize the Roti Shop. My mother's sister, she was like the first one to open one here, like 10 years before us. My mom was the actual one who started with my grandmother in Trinidad. And they first started way back in the 60s. Like roti used to be like a traditional Indian food you would make in your house. But at that time, so much things was going on with Trinidad, they, they decided to try it out as trying to sell it. And it happened to be like a big thing. You know, when this, when this, when this first started coming out, it would sell out every day. You know, people would just come buy everything off and then they realized, well, they had something going on. You know, but. After a while having that roti shop in Trinidad, a lot of people saw what was going on and they jumped on that wave. And right now in Trinidad, there's like hundreds of mm. different roti shops you can find, you know. 
So you're saying your 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 mom and grandma were some of the first people to do the some roti the shop people, in yeah. Trinidad or Brooklyn? In, in Trinidad and oh, Brooklyn. Oh, interesting. Interesting. In and Brooklyn. There's another famous Ollie's roti shop on Fulton Avenue in Bed Stuy. Johnny says it's his uncle that runs it, and that all these Ollie's roti shop that are around the country are all related to each other. All the sisters had roti shop at one time. Well, it first started with my grandmother owning the roti shop in Trinidad, and then like all the daughters, which is my mother's sisters, they all used to help out, you know, in there. So they, they have that like a trade, you know? Like ev- everyone who came up to United States, like after a few years, opened their own shop. My mother's sister in Brooklyn and my mother's sister in, um, in Florida, she opened one. And my mother, older sister in Canada, she didn't open one, but she was doing a lot of catering mm-hmm. in Canada. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, so I didn't call all those Ali's roti shop to confirm they're all the same Ali family. But for Johnny, he runs three locations: two in Brooklyn and one in Queens. I picked Johnny's shop because his was the first Ali's roti shop that I tried. And also, when I messaged him on Instagram, he was down to be interviewed. He's also expanding his business at a fast clip too. This second location was newer, much smaller. And behind the counter, by the way, were more of his own family. Um, I also noticed you have a lot of family members in your kitchen. Can you tell me about, like, in your current kitchen, like, what are some of the family members that you've brought in to work with you? Um, My son, my daughter, uh, my wife is over in the other store, Um, a lot of niece, nieces, and nephews, like a bunch of family. So you basically got almost three generations that have been working through Ali's Roti Shop. Uh, you know, in your family. And then you've got relatives also running their own versions, right? Yeah, yeah. There's multiple Ali's roti shop yeah, that yeah. aren't all connected to your own necessarily, no. right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's really, really interesting, you know? And it's become like a name. It's like a brand. There's, there's Ali's in Florida. Yeah, uh, is that related yeah, to you? Yeah. I saw that. There's yeah. an Ali's in Florida. Is that related to you at all? It's my brother. Really? <laughs> <laughs> so it's like a national, yeah. like, family business almost. During my visits to Ali's Roti, Johnny's daughter and his son walked through. They talked to me. I met his wife. It's really a family affair. And even when you go to the other Ali's Roti shops, by the way, you see the overlap. The menus are quite similar. Roti skins, chana, doubles, chicken curry, etc., etc. Well, Trini food, there's a lot of things going on. And you could find like a lot of Creole, which is black um, influence, a lot, a lot of that. A lot of Indian influence from, from India. Um, and Trinidad is like a melting pot. There's a lot of different type of people there. So sometimes you might be traditionally cooking Indian food, but then you pick up something from somebody else, you know, to put a different spice in there. So it's always a learning process, you know, it's always like a fusion going on, Mm -hmm. you know. We're gonna come back to Johnny, but now I want to introduce you to Nazinga Knight. She's a Caribbean fashion designer who was raised in East Flatbush. My name is Nazinga Knight. My family is from the Caribbean, Guyana, and Trinidad. I'm a fashion designer. I design modest high fashion. So Nazinga and I, we had a conversation about growing up Muslim in Brooklyn, her experiences designing modest fashion, and her business, where she sells bottled sorrel, a hibiscus-based drink. 
So I think what's also really interesting is obviously, you know, I, I knew you for the, you know, work you had done in modest fashion, but you've also made this kind of um, pivot into also doing some food stuff. Yes. Um, and it's of interest to me because basically like I was thinking um, about um, sort of, uh, I think when people think of like halal food mm -hmm. in, in New York City, they think of a halal cart. But I also think of the roti shops in Brooklyn. Like that's like a huge Ali's roti shop. Ali's roti yeah. shop, exactly. Mm -hmm. um, and I think you're also kind of um, with this new Sorrel product. You're kind of putting your foot in that in that, in that world as well. Mm -hmm. So can you tell us a little bit about um, uh, about your product? Okay. So it's called the full name of it is Nizinga Nights Brooklyn Brewed Caribbean Approved Sorrel. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta get it all. Gotta get it all. Because I have to it. say that because that is exactly how the name just came to me once I made Sorrel for the first time. Sorrel, by the way, is often on the menu at roti shops. It's spicy and tart and very, very flavorful. It's also more Afro Caribbean than the Afro Indian flavors of roti. You can look at a Caribbean food and you can kind of break it down by what's African and what's Indian mm -hmm, about mm -hmm. the cuisine. Like I, like sorrel comes from the African right, side. Right. Like that even if you go to a Senegalese restaurant. I was just going to say in Harlem you, you see yeah, it as well. Yeah, They'll call it bisap. Nigerians will call it zobo. Yeah, you yeah. know? And then something like the roti is clearly like that's the Indian side. Most people of African descent who know how to make roti learned it from an Indian woman, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know? That sort of side-by-side -side conversation between Indian and black cultures is a core feature of the Trinidadian food culture in New York. And though Nazinga is repping Afro-Caribbeans with her sorrel, she's conversant in roti too. Her mom made it for her growing up. And of course, she ate at the local roti shops. I, I feel like when I came to Brooklyn, for, for instance, for the first time, there was a lot of stuff that I didn't understand. Mm -hmm. Like... People were saying, like, do you want to get roti? And what I didn't understand about that is we have a word for roti in Pakistan, which mm -hmm. means bread. It means like like a flatbread. That's okay. it. You know, it would be like asking, like, do you want to go get toast? Okay. And I was like, oh, That's I don't know funny. what that is. Like, I, you know, like, uh -huh. well, so like, no, they'll be like, no, there's like these Trinidadian places that do roti. And I was like, I still don't know what that is. <laughs> right, right, so, you right. know, it, it was kind of a learning experience for me. But it's like you, interesting. You make me want to go get a roti right now. <laughs> well, we, this, oh we're in gosh. Brooklyn. We're at Brick right now. You know, and I guess I'm curious, like that place of the roti as well in Brooklyn. I think it's like very important for not just Muslim community, mm -hmm. although it's like a very like like a lot of, like the most famous um, shops are run like are halal and mm -hmm. like run by by Muslims. But it's also like a, a Brooklyn community institution. Yeah, I don't think you know like it's as as nationally known as okay. as it could be. You know what I mean? Because it's like some of the best food you you could possibly have. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. So I guess we we do need to break down for those who are unfamiliar, kind of like your older self who did not know that, you know, when Caribbean people say roti, then it could literally just mean the roti skin. But the roti itself, it, it would say, do you want a shrimp roti, a, veg, a veggie roti, a chicken roti, a beef roti, that kind of thing. And then we have different kinds of roti. You know, we have the roti that is just plain, meaning there's like the dough and the water and the salt and right. the, you know, that kind of stuff. And then... And, and by the way, it's similar to our roti, but it's different. Like, yeah. like we, we have different... It's typically going to be bigger. Right. It's big. Yeah. And then you have the roti that is like crumbly. And that one is called bust up shut, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which is actually breaks down to meaning busted up shirt. 
Oh, really? Interesting. Yes. I didn't know that. And then you have Dalpuri. Right, right. And that's the one that has some dal in it, some right. um, like lentils. Yeah, yeah, some yeah. lentils yeah, yeah. In, in the actual bread itself. And, you know, so some the ones that are not broken up, you would take whatever the contents are going to be. You know, if you're having a shrimp roti, then, you know, the base of it will probably be the the chana, which is, um, what are those called again? Chickpeas. Chickpeas, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, it's all um, the same words, by the way. These are yeah. all words like dal, chick, chana, these are, like, it's it's very interesting. The, yeah. The overlap between South Asian cultures and the, and the Caribbean cultures. Yeah, well, I mean, South Asian culture is in the Caribbean culture. Right, right. You know, and so, because just, just to back up, the Caribbean population, let's say in a place like Trinidad, is made up of slightly more South Asians than Africans. So obviously, just like Johnny's roti, we had to try some of Nzinga's sorrel. It's named after the flower, the sorrel flower, which is hibiscus roselle. And from there, like that's the minimum. This is a drink that is traditionally homemade. Like you cannot find sorrel package in most stores Mm -hmm. it hasn't become that Mm -hmm. popular in a place like ali's roti shop the sorrel drink would come in like a little unlabeled plastic bottle or out of one of those agua fresca style juice dispensers but nazinga's is nicely packaged in a glass bottle and that's intentional i think caribbean cuisine is something that caribbean people have not put out there that much like it really to to package our food and drink and label it, sell it. Sorrel is also drank in Mexico and West Africa, where it's known as Jamaica and Bissau, respectively. We have some sorrel in front of us. Yes. (laughs) That I haven't tried yet. Celebration drink. (laughs) (laughs) I think we should drink some. I would like to, I would love to test it out. It comes in like a kind of big bottle and it's a deep purple color. Got a little fizzy bubbles on top. Nazinga's going to pour us some. Um, she's kind of pour, you know, uh, flipping it around <laughs> so that... To me, it's wh- why do you, do you aerate it? Crimson. Crimson yeah, is a like great... A crimson. Yeah, crimson is a... Reddish oh. color, yeah. 25-ounce size bottle. Oh, that's so delicious. That's so delicious. And wow. watch, you'll taste different things with it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, wow, you're right. right. The cinnamon just hit me there. Yeah. yeah. But not hit ginger. me. It, it, it snuck up. It snuck mm-hmm. up. It, it didn't, does. Because cinnamon can kind of punch you in the and mouth. It's like but it seconds later, then you'll feel like the ginger come up. Nazinga said growing up, she didn't always know what was African and what was Indian on her plate. But she's determined that Caribbean should be available in markets too. Just like you can buy an Italian grandma's packaged ragu sauce from Trader Joe's, same should go for sorrel. Just like Johnny, Nazinga's food talents come from her family passing it down. Growing up, my dad, he made sorrel. He's, you know, got the recipe from one of his aunties, and then he would ask other people, well, how do you make your sorrel? And he would take tips and tricks from different women, and he came up with with his sorrel, which is kind of like a cross between the Trinidadian style and the Jamaican style, because depending on what island you're from, will determine how much spices you will likely add and the, and how much ginger in particular you will add or not include at all. Right. So there's a little bit of a tartness sometimes from the acidity um, from, the, from the flower. And then there's, first you'll, you'll smell it. It has this beautiful floral botanical smell. And then from there, there it has 
a bit of a, a spice and you'll taste a bit of like a smoothness to it because there's some citrus in there from the orange peel that kind of blends some of the spices, which are ginger and then clove, cinnamon, allspice, bay leaves, orange peel, and then we use pure cane sugar. For Nzinga, her sorrel with its beautiful packaging and proud Brooklyn and Caribbean and Muslim identity, it's reflective of a generational change. My parents came here in the mid 70s, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? And so maybe that wave, first wave of that first large wave of Caribbean people that who came, um, their focus would have been more so on getting the best, most stable jobs that they right. could, education, right. those kinds of things. And so now my generation of Caribbean Americans are now actually starting to take what our parents made in the house, produced, and saying, you know what, this was really good. And I would love to share this out with Mm -hmm. other people. Mm -hmm. And actually, I can make a business. But even though her parents are immigrants, they taught Nazinga solidarity with the American Black struggle. My parents are from the Caribbean. It was a very deliberate thing on them to teach us about African-American history. Right, right. You know, like, that is not my inherent history, Mm -hmm. but it is an important history for me to understand, like, where I am. And they were very deliberate about it. It's 500 years, they're keeping you out of every land, but you remain a gem in the eyes of every black man. Africa, listen, your children's calling you. Come closer now, mother of nations old and new. So an important context of Ali's roti and Caribbean culture in general in Brooklyn is the way that it overlaps with Muslim and black culture. You know, throughout Brooklyn, there are halal bodegas, halal fried chicken shops, halal roti shops. It's similar in Trinidad, too. Halal meat is, a lot, is very big in Trinidad because, um, like, every town, you could find a couple of halal stores that sell meat, you know? Like, where our roti shop was, across the street, used to be a meat market, all halal. Hmm. And all the people, like the Muslim people in Trinidad, like the Indian people, they all, you know, very strong with the Muslim. You know, even my grandfather was very strong. He built a couple of mosques in Trinidad, you know. You have to remember that Muslims are only 5% of Trinidad, and in New York, Muslims are about 9% of the population. But in both places, halal meat has an outsized influence. Partially, this is because while pork does have a place in the black American cuisine, there's also this strong tendency in some groups to not eat pork, too. So a halal shop like Ali's Roti Shop is popular amongst black, Muslim, and black Muslim populations. Tell us a little bit about some of your customers, um, both the Trin- Trini ones and the non-Trini ones, yeah. who come for the halal part of the, of the uh, experience. Um, a lot of people in, in Trinidad and, and even in small islands close to Trinidad in the West Indies, you know, they prefer halal because for some reason it's, it sounds like more clean. A lot of people, you know, they, they know if they're going to get halal food, it's something clean that you're going to get. Mm. You know what I mean? And it's, um, it's, it's not like meat, like, from anywhere. But we also have a lot of white people that comes in also. And even they, when they come, they want to make sure it's halal. So while halal food is an institution in New York, there are also mosques that are heavily Afro-Caribbean, like Masjid Taqwa and Masjid Khalifa, which was founded by Malcolm X. They also bolster that. Here's Nazinga talking about Eid in her Afro-Caribbean community in Brooklyn. 
Like the Eid was a day where people, you know, got their clothing made by their tailors or their seamstresses and came out in bright clothing and wore either African-themed clothing or just very bright and colorful. Johnny remembers Eid in Trinidad as a big family occasion, too. Eid in Trinidad used to be very big. You know, used to have, like, all the families from different parts of Trinidad would come, you know, to our house. You know, we would have, like, a long table, like, like maybe 10, 12 different families, you know, and we would have a lot of food there and everybody having a good time. You know, my uncle, he is um, like one of the biggest imam here in Brooklyn. So most of the time, like if we have to do something or we need to do like a prayer or something, we call him over. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Man, the Ali family, they do everything. <laughs> they do everything. They're icons of, of Brooklyn, it seems like. The Eid celebration was either a block party, bouncy th- houses for the kids, and there were jazz performers and calypso singers for Mm -hmm, the mm -hmm. adults and we end every celebration with whatever line dance is Uh uh in style whether it's the wobble the electric slide Uh the whatever Uh and the women are the ones who are primarily doing the dance that's that signals the end of every event at my mosque i always had a passion for like trini music you know but um there's certain strange songs that you would hear and it just raise your paws. You know, it brings back all that memory. You know, so I always had that passion for it. More than any other music, mm-hmm. you know? And so that always just made me feel like, yeah, the, like for the most part, I can be myself. I can be a vibrant and fun person. Um, I did start feeling a little bit conflicted when I would, especially after college, when I would integrate with or socialize with other Muslim communities mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that were, uh, what would the word be? Well, for instance, we would probably not, even though like in our community, like for instance, I grew up with a lot of music, a lot of dancing, mm. but we might not dance at the mosque, for instance, or like there, right. would, that, there would be like arguments about that. Yeah, so that, we, I mean, we had a ballroom in our mosque. Right, right. So... So it wasn't the mosque where we're bowing our heads. It's in the sure, know, no, first no, level no, of no, the, I know. I can, the no, no, I completely understand. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 that's what I was visualizing. But I totally but, understand that yeah. this is an anomaly. Like, this is not something that most people do. Right. Because I've, you know, I have friends. I mean, I know that I've never heard anybody else say that this is what their mosque does unless they are a mosque that is kind of like affiliated with my mosque. Like, maybe they have a similar, a similar culture, but... No, I mean, I haven't had anybody tell me stories of their mosques doing the same thing with at the end of, like, every celebration. You know, like, we have, a, great. We have a resident DJ at our mosque, you know. She's the one who fine-tunes the, the sound for the kupa, and she's the one who spins all the latest everything, the oldies and the new, for every event. There is a certain amount of religious and cultural fluidity in Trini culture. At least that's how Johnny remembers it growing up. Well, I can tell you from when I used to be in Trinidad, like maybe like 30, 40 years ago, how it used to be. It used to be Muslims, Hindu, Catholic, Christians, and a whole different type of Baptist and different type of religion. It was a lot of different things going on. But 
everybody lives like one. Mm-hmm. Like a Hindu person could be having a, a prayer or a celebration, and you would find a lot of Muslims over there just hanging out, mm-hmm. eating food, whatever. And it's vice versa, the same way. Like a Muslim having a, um, they having a little prayer meeting going on, they having the, the namaz, they have whatever going on. And you would find a lot of Hindu people come over because everybody like in the neighborhood is all one. You know, they would eat each other food and everything. Before we go, I've obviously spent most of my time in this episode establishing overlaps between black, Muslim, Indian, Caribbean, halal, and Brooklyn culture, but it's not always harmonious. Anti-blackness certainly exists. Anti-immigrant sentiment also exists. That's for another story. But before we go, I did want to share with you Nzinga talking about how her community grapples with some of this stuff. I think post 9-11, like people, a lot of people had a wake up call just realizing um, in, in, you know, let's say the same kinds of racial profiling that was happening to black people then was happening mm-hmm. more to Arabs and to um, anyone who they perceived as looking like a Muslim, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know, and realizing that this systemic problem that America has, it just moves around. Right. It just moves around to different people. Right. It it hasn't died. It's like just very much alive. It's a disease that just takes on different forms and just go, just goes and attaches itself to different groups of people. And so it has to be nipped in the bud, like because somebody's next. Nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Zero blast off. Thank you for listening. M Train is a six part audio series hosted and produced by me, Amadal Yakbar, and Shireen Barghi. It is edited by Mira Al Rahim. Additional production support by Basim Osmani, Sasha Ali, and Curtis Boone. Curtis took some amazing video footage, which you can find on Brick TV's YouTube page. We'll also link that in the show notes. Our executive producers are Aziz Aisham and Sasha Mathias. Follow me on Twitter at RadBrownDads. Follow See Something Say Something on Twitter and Facebook at See Something. And follow Brick on Twitter at BrickTV. This episode featured music composed by Mira Al-Rahim and from Freesound. It's also made with the support of the Doris Duke Foundation for Islamic Arts Building Bridges Program. For more information on this and all Brick Radio podcasts, visit BrickArtsMedia.org slash radio. See Something Say Something is on Patreon. Find us at patreon.com slash Special thanks to our patrons Stacey Mary Ishmael, Melis T, Mo D, Remy Carroll, Mustafa Nusrati for supporting the show. Especially a big shout out to Stacey Mary Ishmael, who in many ways inspired this episode. I'm Amadal Yakbar. Thanks for listening. have like our own st- chairs like I want to I want to say salut but I'm like we should have our own word what word can we come up with for when we clink our Allahu glasses Akbar. <laughs> I like it come Allahu on. Akbar <laughs> alright I'm going to give it a give it a drink now we're all going to yeah. bismillah 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 is probably bismillah better sure. bismillah is probably better